every single person who has ever lived and who, who will ever live, should they trust in the Lord, he's got enough in the bank that he could cover their sins. And as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Like, I think it's important to understand like how deep of a debt we created for ourselves, just for our, just individually. But God is still so rich that he could cover mine and yours and his and them's all of their sins. And I think that's a really important thing. I like to see those themes come out in songs. And we're back with another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Devereaux. And today we're going to be looking at the hymn, Jesus Paid It All. But before we dig in, we just want to say again, huge thank you to all of our new subscribers. It's really nice to see you. Uh, We hope that you are enjoying the content that we're bringing. We're always striving to bring better and better content every single week. We love to hear from you in the comment section and via email and on social media. Um, But what we're asking for is if you like this video, if you like our content, please share this podcast. Um, It's the only way the word gets out. We don't have a fancy podcast network that we're joined to or some renowned ministry. We are just two people plus one. We do everything from producing the episodes to sending it out, all the graphics. It's just a three-person team. So um, we know that all of our subscribers appreciate it. If you think others would be encouraged, go ahead and share this. And hopefully our impartial family will grow and grow. Yep, we love you guys. And uh, like Monet said, we are really grateful for all the love. So today we're looking at a great hymn. It's called Jesus Paid It All. Um, I feel it's only fair to warn those who are listening who are of more sensitive sensibilities that we are talking about what would technically be classified as a chorus this week. <laughs> um, I also think it's only fair to say that in this discussion of Jesus Paid It All, we will not be talking about the Frankenstein's monster that was the Christian Sandville version of this beautiful hymn. Um <laughs> In, in his defense, though, um, by the time he got to it, the lyrics had already been sort of shuffled and reassembled Aren't in you? strange ways. <laughs> but more on that later. <laughs> Today, we do have a beautiful hymn with a simple but providential story um, and marvelously Christ-centered lyrics. Yeah. So rule number one of hymn writing genius is that you have to have either an odd name or be related to or good friends with someone who has an odd name. <laughs> so Elvina Mabel Hall. No. Yes. <laughs> was She was actually born Elvina Mabel Reynolds. Um, so her name got more uh, normal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, she's a funny coot. Um, so there appears to be debate about whether she's born in 1818, 1820, or even possibly 1822. Um, yeah. I read all the options. And <laughs> to be honest, 1818 is the one that the more reliable sources agree on. Yeah, plus it's fun to say. So I, I think it's a good a good symmetry to it. So we'll go with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, born in Virginia. 
Um, it's not clear when she married, but the lucky guy was a guy called Richard Hall, who passed away quite young, actually, um, mm. in 1859, which is a shame. Yeah. So she she would have been about 41, and I can't imagine he'd be much more than 50. Yeah, shame. If there was an age gap. They had three children that survived to adulthood, though, because mm-hmm. um, infant mortality was quite high back then. Yeah. Um, and to some of her friends who are pregnant, pay attention, because these are good options. The three that survived to adulthood were Agnes, Asenath, and Ella. No. Yes. <laughs> no. But they had, they had at least two that died in infancy, too, called Benoni and Ada. Ada's like the most normal name out of the five, huh? <laughs> yeah, just be Ada Hall. I guess Agnes is more common. Well, was more common. I don't know about those other names. Yeah, that sound like Agnes, a, sound like you're cursing. <laughs> Agnes, <laughs> Agnes makes me think of um, Agnes from Despicable Me. Ah, yeah, and that's right. Ada makes me think of Aunt Ada Doom, who's the grumpy old granny in Cold Comfort Farm. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not the end of the unusual names. Yeah. Um, it does make me wonder, though, if like in 50 to 100 years time, people are going to look back and be like, oh, my goodness, those guys had... Yeah. Such Cara, unusual names. What a weird name. <laughs> Monet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's got three living children. Um, her husband died in 1859. She remained a widow for some years until 1885. So she was quite a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she remarried. All right. Yeah. This time it was to a Methodist minister and he was called Thomas Myers, mm-hmm. which is a... Good name. <laughs> yes, normal. Yeah. Ish. Um, <laughs> I'm well. to- by the way, first of all, I know we're totally being like, you know, what's the word where you only think your culture is normal? Ethnocentric? Something like that. There's plenty of names that are strange to us that are beautiful names in other countries. But I I don't mind Asenath. It's actually it's actually biblical. I like Benoni. Benoni, I can't say it properly too, but it means son of my sorrow. So it's not the sort of kid thing you call a kid. No. It was um, Benjamin, Joseph's brother's name before his dad renamed him. Uh. His mum was like, I'm calling him son of my sorrow. And then she died and uh, Abraham was, not Abraham, sorry, Jacob mm. was like, now nah, we're calling him son of my right hand. Nice. Um, anyway, so biblical names, but unusual biblical yes, names yes so she's remarried um 1885 she lives another four years before she passes away at 18 in 1889 mm. at the reasonable age of about 70 um wow. obviously depending on when you put her birth mm-hmm. wow so she lived a good life mm-hmm. um for that kind of time period and place a fact about her that I personally think is admirable is that she was a member of the same church for 40 odd years. Wow. That's yeah. lovely. Um, as far as I know, she was a church member her whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, but this particular church she was committed to for a long, long time. Nice. Yeah. So pretty simple. Not much on her. Um, the story of the hymn is pretty simple too. It's one of the simplest ones we've talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of this satisfying providence to it. Mm. 
Um, the hymn was written in spring 1865 on the flyleaf of her hymnal, which is like the front cover bit. Yeah. Um, she'd been sitting in the choir and the pastor's prayer was kind of like beginning to go on a little bit. Um, <laughs> and her mind was like beginning to wander. But because she's more sanctified than us, she was thinking about Christ's atonement mm-hmm. um, and not the first laundry. verse. <laughs> not her laundry. <laughs> or what other unusual name she could give her children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead, so she's singing about Christ's atonement mm-hmm. um, and the words of the first verse in the chorus came to her. So she took it to her pastor afterwards and her pastor was called George W. Shrek. <laughs> oh, did he have a donkey? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's spelled S-C-H-R-E-K. But I see. You wonder, you know, was yeah. he grumpy? Did, did he have layers like parfait or like onions? I don't know. I hope he smelled okay. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in the swamp somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, her pastor put her in touch with the church organist who was called John Grape. I am not making this up. <laughs> Silly names, I tell you. Um, I promise I'm not making this up just to entertain Monet. Yeah. He genuinely was called John Grape and the mm-hmm. pastor was genuinely Mr. Shrek. <laughs> so this is the cool little touch of Providence mm-hmm. is that Mr. Grape had recently written a tune that fitted the lyrics she'd scribbled down perfectly. Wow. Even though he had like no particular song in mind, he was just kind of like diddling about and was like, mm. oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they worked together to finish off the hymn, which is really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. So once it was done, her pastor encouraged her to send it to the publisher of a periodical called Sabbath Carols, mm-hmm. um, who then published it and it became quite a favorite, quite widely known. Mm-hmm. It was first published in 1879, apparently, but it was wow. brought to prominence particularly by D.L. Moody. That Moody man. That Moody man. <laughs> um, and revived more recently by Christian Stanville. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, apparently it is regarded as a Baptist hymn, but it was actually written by Methodists, hmm. both of them. Okay. So that's odd, but. Yeah, it's a Baptist favorite. It's because we're sound. <laughs> we are. If something's very sound, they go, is this a Baptist hymn? <laughs> yeah, it's good doctrine. Must be Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> I kid, I kid. We poke fun at at other denominations so very often. It's fair, all in good fun. It's nothing, you know, malicious. To be fair, we take our fair share of getting we fun do. poked to us as Baptists. We do. Baptists get beat up on, but we just take it in stride, uh, you know? Man, I used to get called a dirty Baptist at uni because they were all like Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, but we aren't dirty Baptists. If anything, we're cleaner we're than clean. you are because we fully immerse. There's none of this sprinkling nonsense. No shower. We go for the bath, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I kid. Back to the point. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so the lyrics are where it gets interesting. The song most people sing, especially in churches now, is actually a hashed up version of the original with really? several verses missing. Hmm. Um, and it trips me up every time um, because even between churches, the mix and match of lines isn't always the same. Really? 
Yeah, it's really bizarre. I don't know how it happened. I can't work it out. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, before I talk about the variations, I just want to highlight a couple of bigger picture things. Mm-hmm. The first is about a tune, the tune. Um, it's simple. It actually only uses an octave range for the hmm. entire tune. Which really? for those who are... Yeah, if you think about it, for it those who aren't musical... Like it feels like it has a wider range than that, but maybe... It does. Yeah, okay. Um, for those who are not musical, an octave is like eight notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that small-ish range makes it really easy for congregations to sing. Mm-hmm. And it also makes it easy to pitch because you're not like trying to move it and then it gets too high or too low. Yeah, yeah. Um. And it's also got quite a subtle but effective structure. So there's this beautiful contrast between the verse and the chorus. Each verse shows the weakness and sin of humanity. Mm -hmm. But the chorus keeps coming in every time, reminding us of the glory of Christ Mm -hmm. and his power in cleansing us from sin. Um, So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's a memorable, it's a memorable and true chorus. So as you're understanding, it's kind of similar when we talked about, um, what song did we talk about last week? I'm trying to think of it. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. <laughs> Goodness, guys, this is what happens when you reach a certain age. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's similar. The chorus, you know, I know we kind of joked at the beginning about choruses having like a bad rap in our circles, but really... The thing about a chorus is it is supposed to come back and bring us all together around this central melody and this central uh, text. And that that central theme here is that Jesus paid it all. So it's great to have that contrast between how um, how much we caused the cross. but that that also was where our debt was paid and we didn't pay it. So I, I, I love that kind of structure. I'm not maybe as, um, I don't hate on choruses as much as maybe some folks in our circles would just because I didn't come from a tradition where choruses were rare. <laughs> I yeah. came from more modern contemporary hymn singing uh, circles. So every song has a chorus. You're like, where's the chorus in this song? <laughs> if you're singing a hymn, you're like, mm, it's weird. It doesn't have a chorus, but I guess we'll sing it. <laughs> I think though, like, I can understand the hesitance with some choruses. Mm, yeah. But if it's got strong lyrics, then I have no problem mm-hmm. singing the same strong biblical lyrics over and again. I think this is totally out of my pay grade. So if you have if you have thoughts on what I'm about to say, please leave them in the comments because I would really like to engage on this. But, you know, in other religious practices, there's a lot of like chanting and like meditation on certain sounds and noises and stuff like that. And it's supposed to like have this spiritual benefit, though we could argue what that benefit is, as in it is not a benefit. It is actually opening you up to bad things, but I digress. But I think repetition, or even in this case, as we're talking about choruses in Christian hymns, or Christian contemporary worship songs give us an opportunity to kind of do something religious 
in the middle of our praise. I don't know if that makes sense. Like if I'm meditating on this verse, you know, Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. It's kind of like a religious thing that we're doing almost to just be repeating these lines. It's like reinforcing that truth in our heart. It's causing us to praise him more. I don't know what might be very negative about thinking of it religiously versus just singing what is on the text. Maybe that's maybe why have people have beef with courses. Cause they're like, we said that already. Why are we saying it again? Maybe it feels too religious. I don't know. Do you have any general thoughts on that? Um, I have a lot of thoughts about how repetitious music and certain kinds of music can be used to manipulate outcomes and emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, like you say, it's still something I just, I'm not that sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of tend to judge it by how good the words are because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a reformed church either. Mm-hmm. Um, so the aversion to choruses is, is also a bit, it's not really something I understand. Yeah. Um, like I kind of understand it, but not fully. So I don't know. Um I'm curious to see what you guys think. Yeah, do do let us know. It's not a fully fleshed thought that I have just now, but I do think there's something there. There's a reason why so many religions of the world, um, you know, though they're false, do utilize this kind of repetitive chanting, um, you know, uh, practice because there's there must be something to it and I say we don't want to do what the world is doing but you know if we're meditating and repeating something that's true and good that's holy that's something that could encourage us and cause us to worship then there's there must be something to that um that maybe we're not fully understanding yeah. Just a, just a random thought. I call them, <laughs> P.S., I do not do drugs, but I do call them my stoner <laughs> thoughts. Every now and then I'm like, dude, what's with chanting? <laughs> <laughs> I call them shower thoughts because I have to space in the shower. And it, it, it's like less dodgy than stoner thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's maybe the just the culture, the culture that I come from in California. If I say stoner thoughts, more people will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I digress. Please carry on. <laughs> okay, we'll have it. We'll having um, pontificated on choruses. I'm going to read you uh, the lyrics to this particular Great. song. Great. So these are the actual original ish lyrics Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll talk a bit about the variations so the lyrics are I hear the saviour say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow for nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And now complete in him, my robe, his righteousness, close sheltered neath his side, I am divinely blessed. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt this heart of stone. And when from my dying bed, my ransomed soul shall rise, Jesus died, my soul to save, shall rend the vaulted skies. 
When before the throne I stand in him complete, I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Yeah, there are some lines in there I don't think I've sung before. Yeah, it's so beautiful though. (laughs) It is, it's really lovely. Yeah, you have to send me those lyrics because I want to read through them. Um, It's got a great progression as mm -hmm. well. Like you've got um, God coming to you and saying, you need me. Um, And then you've got coming to Calvary and, um, you know, to the blood of the lamb. And -hmm. then in the next verse, you've got now I'm clothed in his righteousness um, and then you have the next verse, which is kind of talking about the, God's ability to change you in mm-hmm. sanctification. And then you've got hope and death and then you've got standing before Christ. Yeah. So it does have that lovely kind of flow that takes you all through from conversion to glory, which the newer versions don't quite do in the same way. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there are a few variations and some of them are are interesting. (laughs) Uh, So in the second verse, you have, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can Mm. change the leper's spots and melt his heart of stone. But there are two different bits that vary even Mm. within that one verse. So the Reformed Church in America, their hymnal from 1880 uses thy power and thine alone. Whereas the YMCA's songbook from 1872 says thy blood and thine alone. Hmm. Which are both right. Yeah. And then you've got Philip Phillips's collection of hymns, it's his real name, from 1874, <laughs> which surprisingly says thy faith and thine alone. Hmm. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about changing the leper spots and melting the heart of stone, yes, the power, yes, the blood, sort of, though that's more atonement talk. Yeah. Faith is, yeah, actually, kind of. Well, the thing is, like, are they talking about when they say thy faith do they mean like my faith or do they mean like God's faith and that's the bit that I was like I'm not totally clear on whose faith is doing this because I don't even know like does God have faith I mean he's faithful so he has that's to have true. Faith. <laughs> he has he has belief in himself because he is all powerful all knowing all good and etc I don't know okay. that's like some deep stuff to consider I think I would want to know the motivation as well why they changed yeah. the lyrics that way was it just like a misunderstanding of like some sort of oral you know tradition where folks had passed it down and said oh no it's thy blood and thine alone and they were like no 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 it's thy faith and, and thine alone and it's like oh okay well the weirdest thing about the faith one is that it's unique to that particular hymn book. Yeah. You can't really find it anywhere else. Interesting. Let us know. Is faith, what do you guys think about faith instead of 
uh, power or blood, because that's actually an interesting change that makes me question. Gentler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know. We want to hear from you guys on that one for sure. Um, The second one's not as important because both are biblical. Mm -hmm. But do you say um, change the leper's spots or change the leopard spots as in leopard, the cat? Lepers as in the guys who had to stay outside the camp. All right. Okay. Because like you can find both. Um, Okay. And both of them have justification um, biblically. Okay. Tell me. Um, so one of them is from, I want to say it's Jeremiah. Um, he says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard change his spots? Okay. When it's talking about God's power. And then you've got like the New Testament where Jesus is healing people, mm-hmm. lepers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, frankly, if you sing it, then it doesn't really matter which you sing because <laughs> it could sound like either. <laughs> yeah. I, do you remember though watching Ben Hur as a child, like the the old version, and being absolutely horrified when they're like, "Your mom's a leper," and I was like, "Oh my goodness, how does she do? Like, how does she turn into a cat? That's crazy." Um, <laughs> and then getting really confused because she looked like a proper person, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, she's healed," and I was like, "Oh okay, that's why she doesn't look like a <laughs> like a cat." Because I didn't know what a leper was at that point. So I heard leopard. Yeah, it's not a thing that we grow up like, oh, yeah, my cousin has leprosy. Like nobody. I mean, not in the modern world, obviously, or I could say the developed world. It's not like leprosy doesn't exist, but it's. Although I remember like there were fundraisers for the leprosy mission when I was in mm. primary school. Um, Interessant. But yeah. Anyway, that's like not that important. The leper leopard <laughs> thing. Um, it's and kind then of the, like, sorry, this is not important. I'm not going to mention it. No, it's okay. Totally Scratch go for it. it. <laughs> no, I was just going to be random about um, about sayings. You know how some people They're will... They're called egg corns. Egg corns. That's right. That's the word I was looking for. Egg corns. It's kind of like an egg corn within the song that it makes sense. And if people just continue saying, change the leopard spots, like even though it might be technically wrong, it still means the same thing. And now it's kind of become the, the saying, even yeah. though it's not the original lyrics to the song. So it is kind of an egg corn in that way, because you're like, no, they're saying leopard spots. And you're like, why would you say leopard? They're saying leopard spots, leopard spots. No, you would say leopard spots. That makes more sense. And it just becomes a debate. So this is why English is the worst. We should say it <laughs> leopard. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> anyway, um, and then the other variation that I thought was interesting, which I might just have to say out loud because it sounds confusing when I try to explain it. Mm-hmm. But let's see how we do. So the second to last verse begins when from my dying bed, my ransom social rise. Mm-hmm. It's often skipped. And the two last lines of that verse or something similar to the two last lines of that verse are used in place of the two lines of the original last verse. So instead of, um, and when before the throne, I stand in him complete. Um, I throw my, I lay my trophies down all down at Jesus' feet. They instead mash up the two last verses and mm. you get when before the throne I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat. 
Yeah, I think that's the version I am used to singing, or at least those are the lyrics I'm more familiar with. Yeah. Um, I actually find the original that little bit more powerful. It is, absolutely. Um, because you've got, you've got this strong resounding hope in death. And then in the final verse, you're standing before his throne and you're saying, you know, I really do owe him everything. Mm -hmm. And so all my greatest achievements, all my victories, everything I've ever done or had or achieved, all of these things are set down. Yep. Um, And you're like, you're handing them over. You're not clinging to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're setting them down at the feet of him who paid it all and is worth every one of those things a million times over. Yes. Amen. Okay, so I thought it'd be nice to just uh, read some verses that relate to this hymn. Mm-hmm. So the first is from 1 Peter 2.24, which says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Um, and then the second is Revelation 4.10. Monet, if you don't mind. I surely do not. 4.10 alone. Oh, 10 and 11. 10 and 11, okay. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Yep, so good little passage and then um just finishing this last verse is um a really good one too it's from 1 john 2 2 Mm -hmm. and it says he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what this song's about amen he paid it all he paid it all just one little note on this song that i think um I think we've touched on in previous episodes as well, but I love to reflect on the richness of God, the riches of his mercy, of his glory and his grace. It's one of those religiously sounding things to say that actually has a lot of meaning to it. Like the fact that God is rich in mercy. Think about it. If you're a wealthy person out there, and I think most of us in the West are wealthy, we have shelter and food and all that good stuff. But if you're a wealthy person, like truly have abundance in wealth, you are free to give. You don't have anything holding you back. If your sister or your brother or somebody's like, oh my gosh, I can't afford groceries or we can't pay our bills or our car broke down. You can, you can truly as a rich person, just give them not loan. You could just be like, here, let me fix it. You know, like that's a human version of thinking about being rich, but God's mercy and his grace, it's so, he's so abundantly rich that he can pay for the sins of the entire world. Should they trust in him? Like the entire world from all, from eternity, past, eternity, present, future. That's not proper uh, timeology. I'm making up a word. But you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) 
every single person who has ever lived and who, who will ever live, should they trust in the Lord, he's got enough in the bank that he could cover their sins. And as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Like, I think it's important to understand like how deep of a debt we created for ourselves just for our, just individually, but God is still so rich that he could cover mine and yours and his and them's all of their sins. And I think that's a really important thing. I like to see those themes come out in songs because our, our God isn't balancing his budget and saying, Oh yeah, I got enough in the, in the mercy category to cover you. He's got more than enough. He's so, so rich in it. And it just really does cause me to worship. It's also just wonderful that we don't serve a stingy God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Amen. Well, I think that just about wraps up another episode of Him Partial. If this is your favorite tune, let us know in the comments. We really enjoy this song and we've enjoyed speaking about it today. Um, and just as a reminder, again, we're on social media at Him Partial, or you can sign up for our newsletter or follow us at our website, himpartial.com. That's H-Y-M-N-P-A-R-T-I-L dot com where you can get all sorts of goodies from our newsletter so until next time may the lord bless you and keep you bye